This is Chicago's Morning Answer with Dan Proft and Amy Jacobson on AM560, The Answer. Good morning, Dan and Amy. Don't look now. Uh, I, I don't know how to break it to you. What? It turns out that Ed Burke may not be the only bad apple no. in Chicago. I'm just saying, Danny Solis, who uh, announced his retirement late last year from the city council. And, and didn't we wonder why he was retiring? Well, I mean, right, especially tender age of 70. Oh, I know. So young. I know. So, much, so much, so much of a political career ahead of him. Yeah. Um, and we do say retired because, of course, these offices are conferred like possessions. So you retire. You don't uh, uh, get uh, removed from office by the electorate. You decide when you're done in public service on the city council. Danny Solis wearing a wire for the last two years. Yeah, and he announced that he was not running, Dan, for re-election a week before federal agents raided Ed Burke's office mm-hmm. at home. Or offices, I should say. So. Uh, Solis apparently uh, had drawn the attention of the feds, and so he decided to try to advance the feds' interest in Ed Burke because, of course, the whole thing is a den of thieves. Oh, meanwhile, uh, over at the ranch on Cook County, the Cook County side, uh, Tony, Tony, Tony is in a little bit more trouble with her relationship with Ed Burke, despite pretending to be aghast at what he's accused of, because the Burke kid that she hired was uh, facing misconduct allegations of the Cook County Sheriff's Office of a sexual nature before she found a sinecure form over a county. Now, I know this is the kind of stuff that we like to talk about in the context of electoral politics because it's salacious, it's personality-driven, it's sort of plays to the low expectations you have of the Chicago political class. But there is this other thing about uh, a policy discussion that could have that we could have and some candidates are having to various degrees most notably Paul Vallis about what Chicago should do to address these seemingly intractable problems that are having a real material effect mainly negative on the lives of the 2.8 million family 2.8 million residents in Chicago you know when it comes to safety on the west and south side or it comes to property taxes no matter where you live or it comes to job opportunities or the quality of the infrastructure or how much of a magnet it is or is not for entrepreneurial activity you know sort of big issues that probably should be discussed by at least some of the 14 candidates and I note this because uh, in a race to 15 percent with 14 candidates and it really is that close. Uh, you could have some surprises on February 26th. Uh, the Republican vote is in play. For the first time since Bronco Nagurski and Red Grange constituted the backfield of Chicago Bears, you have a Republicans' no, conservatives' us. votes matter. Yeah. And so we're hosting uh, with the Northwest uh, Side GOP Club, Chicago City Wire Northwest Side GOP Club, hosting a candidate forum this Saturday, 2.30 p.m. at St. Monica's. Uh, that's 5136, 5136 North Nottingham, northwest side of the city, 2.30 p.m., candidate forum, specifically for candidates who are interested in appealing to center-right voters. So far, confirmed Paul Vallis, Jerry Joyce, Willie Wilson, Bob Fioretti, LaShawn Ford, John Kozlar, all are welcome. So just want a, a little scheduling note. And in terms of advancing that policy discussion, we also have a timely new book that's been uh, written and released by Ed Backrack and Austin Berg. It's called The New Chicago Way, Lessons from Other Cities. And Ed Backrack and 
Backrack and Austin Berg join us now. Ed and Austin, thanks for being with us. Appreciate it. Thank you, Dan. So, thanks, uh, Dan. Uh, so Ed, uh, let's start with you because it's an interesting uh, uh, team, you and Austin. You're somebody who had a very successful career in retail. Uh, you remember the Backrack stores? Like yeah, in Yorktown? Yeah. yeah, I used to buy clothes from there. Um, and I've had a very unsuccessful career in uh, in public policy. So exactly. Yeah. <laughs> so so one success, one lack. No, Austin Berg at the Illinois Policy Institute, uh, more of a policy wonk. So the, the the coming together of these two minds and backgrounds. But Ed, starting with you, just you're a successful businessman. You could, uh, uh, you know, kind of ride off into the sunset and enjoy your life. Why have you decided to? make trying to advance the discussion of big policy ideas for the big policy problems Chicago faces? Well, uh, I, I was raised, and I'm the kind of person that when you see a problem, if you have any skills or anything you can contribute to solving it, you should. You don't just complain about it. And uh, most people subscribe to what we call the simple Chicago political theory. Everyone's corrupt. Nothing can be done throw your hands up, and walk away. But this is the first time, this is the first chance in our lifetime that we could maybe see things change if voters do the right thing in February. Uh, it's going to take a lot more than that. Really? Uh, What's yeah, it going to take? Yeah, so the, the, the premise of our book is that it's just not out with the old rascals and in with the new rascals. Uh, there is something fundamentally wrong with the structure of Chicago government. And uh, whereas 120 years ago, uh, in the turn from the 19th to the 20th century, every major city had uh, a strong mayor and an autocratic government, over the past 12 decades, those, most other cities have reformed. Uh, they've gone through a number of different processes whereby they've distributed power and they set up professional practices for good governance. There's one city that hasn't. It's Chicago. It's stuck back 120 years ago. Well, Bill Daly is proposing a structural change. He wants to reduce the number of aldermen from 50 to 15. Is that the kind of change you're talking about, or is it something a bit more profound? Well, yes. Uh, In terms that, of city council, I would say it's much more profound than simply cutting. We should cut the number of aldermen. The average uh, constituent per council member among the biggest cities is around 117,000. The average in Chicago is around 55,000. And Look at a city like Los Angeles. When you're an alderman who has over 250,000 constituents on average, you're not the guy in charge of the garbage cans. It's impossible. But where in Chicago, there are so few constituents per, per alderman that uh, they are the administrative intake points. They take care of you if you need your sidewalk permit. They take care of you if you need an awning. They take care of you if you need anything rezoned. And corruption is uh, inevitable in that system. It also makes for very weak legislators who have no understanding or concern for issues, any citywide issues whatsoever. So you need to change the responsibilities that aldermen have uh, along with the number of them. But Ed, uh, what I understand from the many candidates that we've interviewed is that, uh, look, you, you, you legalize your dope, yep. casinos. Uh, more casinos, uh, maybe throw some slots at the airport too, uh, and uh, you're on your way to uh, uh, shaping up the books and uh, making Chicago prosperous again. Yeah, that's what they would like for you to think. Um, but it's a lot more complicated than that. And back to, back to your, your concept of, of reform. Here's what real reform looks like. Uh, you have to, the big picture is you have to have strengthen the city council and separate it, uh, 
structurally from the mayor. The mayor should not be presiding at city council meetings. That doesn't happen in other big cities. Yeah. Uh, second of all, you need to create two very strong elected offices that are now reporting to the mayor, a chief financial officer, which many other cities have, including the top four cities out uh, by population. We also need an elected city attorney. We don't need the disgraced law department reporting to the mayor. So those, those are three. But the, but the umbrella over all of these is a city charter. We need to have a city constitution that tells how every aspect of government works, from the city council to elections to finances to schooling to policing. And it's all determined by lay people, not public officials. It's not a council ordinance. And it's approved by voters. That's what other big cities do. And it, when we talk to people in Chicago about it, they never heard of a charter. Yeah, no, I have. I mean, it sounds so simple and so feasible. But of all these, you know, 14 candidates now that Dorothy Brown's been kicked out off the ballot, is anybody prescribed to that system? Does anybody promote that system that you're talking about? We haven't heard any. So what, what we've been talking about is that whether it's Mother Teresa or Pericles in charge of the city, if they win the mayoral election, um, the outcomes are unlikely to change. You have to have a city charter that reforms the nature of the power of that office or whoever inhabits it will be uh, doomed to fail. So we have heard uh, candidate Bailey did mention the C word. He said the word charter, mm. but he didn't. Uh, it wasn't really elaborated upon in any real way. I think it's a real, if, if a mayoral candidate would like to stand out among the field and start a very important discussion that will outlive their candidacy, uh, I would strongly recommend they talk about a charter. It's a very populist idea. Voters should approve it. Uh, lay experts should debate it. That's how it's done in other cities. Um, you know, it's not some crazy, some crazy new idea. This is the way all, almost all big cities and medium-sized cities are governed in America. Yeah, that's Austin. That's the thing I like about uh, this book: it, lessons from other big cities, the New Chicago way. Lessons from other big cities. So this is not like a laboratory experiment. This is things that other cities are actually doing. So if it's feasible in L.A. or New York, then why wouldn't it be feasible? In Chicago, I mean, Ed Burke liked to adopt every idiotic idea that emanated out of New York. Why not adopt some of the good ones? And so in addition to sort of setting the foundation with a charter, what are other some other big lessons from other big cities that could be applied to the benefit of Chicago families? Uh, Austin, you, or Ed, either oh, uh, oh, of course. Austin, yeah, we oh. have there's the book is chock full of ideas. There's there's plenty we can learn from other big cities. One of the really, really simple comparisons we make with Los Angeles is around the budget. So Los Angeles has 50% more people than Chicago. It also has twice the land area of Chicago, and they have a lot of fires there. They, have, they actually have real fires in Los Angeles. And yet, Chicago and Los Angeles pay the same amount for their police department and for their fire department. So why is that? And we always hear when it's, especially when it's reported upon, and we use a lot of great reporting in the book, but this is where I have one bone to pick. If any mayoral candidate talks about adding police officers, the context is never given that Chicago spends so much more on its police department specifically uh, than a city like Los Angeles. And yet our outcomes are, 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 are horrendous. Uh, there, we had a, a homicide rate in 2016 that was around five times higher than the combined rate of LA and New York city. So there are changes that we examine, especially in Los Angeles around policing 
that can be of great service to Chicago. Just and that's just around policing. That's just one issue. Well, what is the difference? Why? Why is? Uh, why are we paying the same uh, as you as you described for in a much smaller place with a much much worse outcomes? One of the reasons is that in Chicago, there's give it since the mayor has so much power, there's cross compromise. A teacher strike affects the police union contract. Uh, the, the police contract. Uh, affects the fire contract because it's one guy handling all of these deals. Um, in L.A., the mayor's office has been almost completely divorced from the police commission. Look at Chicago where we had, how did Eddie Johnson become police superintendent? Well, Gary McCarthy was fired. The city council was supposed to appoint a, uh, you know, a, new, a new police commissioner. They suspended the rules for one day uh, so that uh, Rahm Emanuel could just pick his own candidate and Eddie Johnson gets in. That, would, that is not the norm in other big cities. L.A. also had an incredible uh, reform following the Rodney King riots, where they have an independent police commission that investigates all these things. They have a, a peace officer's bill of rights so that things like disciplinary procedure, uh, things like this are not included in a collective bargaining agreement. They're not bargained over. They're set in state law. Uh, those are just a couple. And I don't think uh, you can run the city like a business, but I think you can apply business principles to the city. And so, you know, some of the candidates, particularly those from the west side, south side, talking about a Marshall plan for the areas of the city that are not doing well economically, highest black unemployment rate in the country in, in, in a major city. Uh, how do you respond to the challenge to make somewhere to, to, to make the rest of the city more attractive to entrepreneurs business location, capital formation than it is currently? Well, uh, that's a very complicated question, but I want to start off by saying that the city of Chicago and its services, what it does for its people, has been mispriced. Because of borrowing, uh, it's been giving away city government for 80% off for the past 20 years, and that's why the debt just keeps running up. And People talk about economic development because there's no accountability for it. There's no evidence that a city government can actually cause the economy to improve. Uh, meanwhile, the city, is they're changing the subject. That's really what they're trying to do. They don't have an answer for what they're going to do about city finances, so they talk about investing. Uh, they don't have any money to invest, and so uh, that's what happens. But we do know that if you take a city that becomes attractive – that manages its finances, reduces its spending, uh, and and loosens regulation, businesses will flock there. Why why is Chicago the only one of our top 15 cities that's declining in population? All the rest of them are growing. Because of the taxes mm-hmm. and property taxes. Or but, lack of opportunity. Mean, opera- yeah. But but still, the taxes are, uh, and I, I agree with the fact that they're high, but they're still half of what they should be. Well, so that, there, so there's, there's speaks a, to the the scope of government yeah. is what you're it's saying. It's the scope of government, right? And so, and so, speaking of that, sort of the pressing issue of scope of government and spend, police and pension, uh, police and fire unfunded pension liabilities that uh, are approaching forty billion, uh, less than twenty five percent funded, both of them death spiraling. And so, what do you do about that? Uh, when you have a problem and you're digging a hole, the first thing you do is you stop digging. So somebody's got to step up and say, we have proven for the past 50 years that we, as a city, are incapable of offering a defined benefit retirement plan for our employees. And we're going to stop that. And there are many ways to stop it. And it doesn't take a constitutional amendment. 
All you have to do is pass an, an ordinance or state law or both that creates Tier 3, that is a defined contribution or some other form of retirement benefit. So you stop digging that hole. Uh, and then you got to really attack spending. You know, back to what Austin was talking about, the comparison with L.A., which, you know, L.A. is not some uh, anarchy where they don't have any government at all. It is a heavily democratic, <laughs> yes. heavily union town. But if we just had parity with L.A., the city of Chicago would save $650 million a year just in police and fire protection. The only other thing I would add to that, structurally on the pension problem, we talk about sort of revenue and spending side stuff there, but the structural side is right now, Chicago, we examined three fiscal firewalls, we call them. So the three things are you have an independently elected controller that's adversarial with the mayor. You have robust city council involvement in the budgeting process. You don't have sort of a clown car. You don't have Ed Burke running the finance committee for, for 30 plus years. And then you have some kind of voter fiscal constraints. You get you have voter approval of new taxes or new debt in some form. Chicago is the only city among the top 15 that has none of those three. And we were harping on L.A. L.A. has all those three. Houston has all of those three. Philly has all of those three. And then we wonder why, uh, you know, we have so much debt per capita more than every other city. The book is The New Chicago Way, Lessons from Other Big Cities. Unfortunately, neither Ed Backrack or Austin Berg is running for mayor, but they've got a lot of good ideas for the next mayor. Uh, the New Chicago Way, Lessons from Other Big Cities, available at Amazon. And also, uh, programming note, both Ed and Austin will be at the Union League Club for lunch next Wednesday to expound on their book and their ideas in more detail. Ed, Austin, thanks so much for joining us. Good luck with the book. Appreciate it. Thanks, Ed. Connect with Dan and Amy using the AM560 mobile app. Download it today at 560theanswer.com slash mobile.